The ratings are in for AEW, Dynamite, and NXT. We review both shows next on the Squared Circle Cycle Babble. My name is Michael Valenti. Joining me is Ralph Valenti. Ralph, the ratings are in for Dynamite and NXT, and they are both down. Obviously, with the impeachment trial, a lot of news coverage with that, so that affected the ratings in a way. But here are the final tallies for both. AEW Dynamite went from a .32 last week to a .29 this week, losing over 100,000 total viewers to 741,000 total viewers. While NXT, they saw a drop as well, going from a .15 to a .12 in the 18 to 49 demographic. Also, 558,000 total viewers. Now, obviously, the impeachment trial, like I mentioned, was part of the reason for this. But what are your thoughts on the drop for both shows? Uh, NXT, I mean, granted, the numbers certainly are encouraging, but it's not like they are in the same position that AEW is in. And I what I what I mean by that is this. So AEW right now is doing something with New Japan Pro Wrestling and Impact Wrestling that a lot of people feel like is revolutionary or game-changing mm-hmm. or something that can certainly steer the direction of the industry in a, you know, just, you know, move it to a different spot. Uh and unfortunately with ratings and with viewership, that's usually a reflection of how well you did the previous week and how interested you made the fans for the week um from the the previous week as well if i'm AEW, i'm looking at this as a pretty big disappointment considering the drop in the viewership and the drop in the rating because the the most newsworthy thing other than edge making a return and winning the rumble and all those things that are going on is the fact that they are now working with new japan pro wrestling Mm -hmm. and this was really the first test that we got of where fans were going to fall in terms of their level of excitement Um, Now, granted, right now, it's hard to really use just ratings and viewership as the barometer for how interested people are. Right. um, Because you can't it's not like you can go based off ticket sales because, you know, they we just we don't have have places where you can go to full capacity. Um, And, and, you know, I think we won't really know how interested people truly are until that time happens. But for right now, I'm looking at this as AEW and I'm disappointed. I really, I really would be. I mean, I think the the thing you have to consider here is, as a, as wrestling fans, we like to focus on just the wrestling shows and their ratings. And if they drop, if they go up, we need to see why that happens. And I think certainly, I think what it is is just shows you like there's outside factors that factor into the ratings more than the shows themselves. Now, obviously, this week it was the fact that there was ele- uh, excuse me, impeachment coverage. So that affected the ratings for everybody. And despite that, AEW Dynamite was still the second highest new, non-news program in the 18 to 49 demographic, only behind MTV's The Challenge, which surprisingly, actually, I don't even know if it is surprisingly, they only dropped from number one this week to number three. So their hit wasn't as big as AEW's, but they also have a higher percentage starting off. So that's probably why they were able to stick around the top three, whereas AEW dropped from three to 21. So some people like to point the finger at bad products. Some people like to point it out as, oh, it's not popular. Sometimes it's just other outside factors. I know a couple weeks ago, we talked about AEW Dynamite's drop in the viewership and This was around the ratings that they were two weeks ago and they Mm -hmm. blamed it on streaming issues or some people were saying it was the streaming issues. And I 
as someone that works in television, said that it might not be the streaming because they, I'm not 100% sure whether or not they were playing the same ads, and that determines whether or not they're counted in the live cable same-day ratings as, as we brought up before. And so people were questioning me, how do you not know streaming's not part of the ratings or not? And it's, it's very wish-washy because it depends on if the ads are playing or not. So that, that comes into play. And so, so many like outside factors. When two weeks ago, there was a Philly 76er versus LA Laker game that took a lot of the 18 to 34 demo that week. And no one talked about that. Same thing here. The impeachment trial we know was part of the reason, but is it that only the reason or is it the product? I think it's a mixture of the two. Yeah, and and that was the thing. I mean, back back when uh, a couple of weeks ago, when those numbers first came out, and there was all these people talking about streaming issues, it it, it wasn't like the numbers took a drastic nose nosedive to the point where it was some outlandish number, something outside the realm of possibility that AEW was pulling some type of crazy numbers, and then they just you know tanked. Right. Uh, so this it's these are similar numbers. It's not like it's anything crazy. Um, in terms of the the dip in viewership, like I said, it's not encouraging. It's certainly not the end of the world, but at the same time, given the fact that right now you do have AEW working with New Japan Pro Wrestling, you know, how interested are people outside of the AEW fan base going to be? How much is it going to entice somebody to tune into pro wrestling mm-hmm. that wouldn't normally be watching AEW or pro wrestling in general? And, and that's the thing, like... Right now, I still feel like we're operating within that bubble of the hardcore fan base. When are they going to break out? If they're going to break out at, at ever, um, it's it might take more than just what we're looking at right now. But again, we're just going based on TV numbers. We can't go on ticket sales or anything like that. Right. Um. So, you know, who knows? I guess hopefully soon we'll find out just how impact, impactful this, this partnership that can actually be. Right. And also, if you're one of those that wants to look at total viewership, the 50 plus demo is really where the viewership gets skewed and AEW dynamite had a 0.27 two weeks ago, a point, I think three, two this uh, last week, and then back to a 0.27 this week. So like, like the stock market, things fluctuate. So yep. as wrestling fans, just enjoy the shows. Try not to focus too much on ratings. If you are interested in the numbers, fine, that's it. But don't be one of these like f- flag carriers that is like, oh, AEW is the best because they're beating the NXT in the ratings. Or if you're WWE fans, like, oh, look, they can't even reach one million. Like, who cares at this point? Just, <laughs> you mean you mean like Gallows and Anderson last night? Yeah, exactly. So just, I mean, be. Int- I'm not saying don't be interested in the numbers because that's why we talk about this stuff because there's definitely an interest. But the tribalism in some of this, I could talk both ways and defend both both promotions when it comes to ratings. So that's how it goes. But let's actually talk about the shows themselves. AEW Dynamite starts off with the TNT Championship match, Darby Allen versus Joey Janela. Ralph, I got to be honest with you here. This was not what I was expecting from these two. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. But Not what you were expecting because you thought it was better or because the match layout itself was different than what you were anticipating? There, there's a lot. So let me explain okay. what I mean by that. First off, last week, there was this segment with Sting and Team Taz where they're supposed to be on they're supposed to be at the match with Darby Allen and Joey Janela. And 
Neither of them show up. Nobody's there. It's just Darby Allen versus Joey Janela, which isn't necessarily a bad thing because it just showcases Darby and it showcases Joey Janela without the outside circus of Team Taz and Sting. So I'm okay with that. The match starts, and it's a lot slower than I was anticipating. And that's not a bad thing either. Mm-hmm. You know, it showed some technical sides to both Joey Janela and Darby Allen, and it slowly got faster and faster. And the match was good overall, I thought. Just not what I was expecting. And I don't know if this really helped Darby Allen. And I think this was Joey Janela's one of, if not his best match on Dynamite. But do I put enough stock in him to see that AEW is going to book him consistently? Because it's like he has a good match and then we don't see him. He gets booked for Kenny Omega and then we don't see him. So should I be invested in Joey Janela despite this good match? No. And you know what? That's that's kind of like what I was trying to touch on last week, because Joey Janela is a guy who's on TV once every what? Once every month, once every other month. And it's not like he's ranked in a company where you're supposed to have rankings. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's put in this prominent match where, you know, if. I guess if you're somebody who's kind of look, going to look at the rankings and kind of question why Joey Janela is going out there and having this longer competitive match against the guy who is the TNT champion, you mm-hmm. know, match quality wise, I thought it was fine. I thought it was probably one of Joey Janela's best matches or maybe his best match in AEW. But the problem is this, like, what message are you sending to the fans? If Darby Allen is now struggling with this guy who is hardly on TV. Uh, this is the same point we were making back, I don't know, however many months ago when Kenny Omega had that match against Alan Angels. Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with matches being longer and being competitive if they plan to do something with that individual. Mm-hmm. But I don't see them doing anything with Joey Janela. I, 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 I don't see where he would fit in. I think there's certainly more people that um, could have gone out there and had a more had a competitive match with Darby that they could have done more with uh, coming out of a loss. Uh, and it just kind of makes you scratch your head because they've right. got guys under contract like Scorpio Sky, uh, Sean Spears, like just guys like that. Where have that, they been? I, I don't know. I Where have no Scorpio, clue. I like, tell you. I know Sean Spears, they, it seemed like they wrote him off. And I don't know if that's for repackaging or he's doing his school or he's no longer with AEW. I don't know. But Scorpio Sky, I feel like unless he's having matches on Dark, I have no reason why he's not on AEW Dynamite. Like, there's so much star power in that guy, I feel like. And I think this is one of those cases where AEW might be underutilizing somebody. Yeah, and, you know, it didn't even necessarily have to be him, but I'm just saying somebody that's a bigger name, somebody that has, you know, is is a little more of, of a believable threat to Darby because realistically, did I think Joey Janela was going to beat him? No. Do I think that this match went longer than it needed to be? Uh, yeah, because, you know, like I said, I just don't see them doing anything with Joey Janela in the future going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, was it a good match? I thought, I thought the match was fine. It was actually much better than I, uh, initially anticipated it being. Um, but this is just kind of one of those things. I don't, I don't fault AEW for wanting to go out there and put out a good product, but don't have a, a long, overly competitive match just for the sake of having a long competitive match. It doesn't yes. do any favors for Darby Allen heading into this big feud match that he's going to be having with Sting alongside him. So that that would be my only gripe with this. And that was really my original gripe from the beginning with this whole thing. Right. And and I know some people want to book just for the sake of, oh, this is a good match. But this is one of those cases where booking just to have a good match doesn't necessarily work because who would this really benefit more, Joey Janela or Darby Allen? And I would say Joey Janela 
but they actually have to double down and actually push Joey Janela off of this momentum. But someone that actually has some momentum, let's go to NXT MSK. I've been impressed with these guys and they are heading to the dusty Rhodes classic finals uh, in the win against Legato del Fantasma. I got to say, Ralph, I love their tandem offense. I love their selling, but I think Legato del Fantasma had the spot of the night. Uh, I believe it was Raul Mendoza was holding Nash Carter onto his shoulders while Joaquin Wilde jumped on him, did a a splash onto Wesley for a near fall. Uh, I thought that was a great spot Um, and just really good chemistry between these two. But MSK, I think, is a tag team that could, whether you want to keep them in NXT for a while, because I definitely think they can use some reps a little bit more, but a tag team that could certainly benefit whatever tag team division they're in. Yeah, I think uh, MSK certainly is doing very well in their first two or what th- uh, must have been, what, three weeks now to a month where they, yeah. they've debuted. So uh, I think they certainly look good. Um, the spot you were talking about was definitely a um, really good spot. The one spot that I did not like from this match was when uh, they were, one of them was standing on the apron. He did that backflip where the other one kind of pushes him. And, you know, then there was the, the dive over the top, which, you know, it, it is what it is. They're still new. They're one of those tag teams that's going to work a little bit quicker mm-hmm. and try to be a little more flashy. So I guess that fits their style. Right. Um, I think that their match next week is going to be really interesting considering you've got really just two guys on two teams, I should say, on the opposite side, side of the spectrum, um, two different approaches to the way they work. So it should make for a really interesting match. It should. And actually, that's going to be this Sunday at Vengeance Day. The Dusty Road Classic final oh, is, is uh, MSK. And we're going to talk about the main event a little while, which was uh, Grizzled Young Veterans facing Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher. Speaking of Legato Del Fantasma, we know that next week, Karrion uh, Cross will face Santos Escobar in a match on NXT. But let's get back to AEW Dynamite, Ralph. Uh, I don't know if you noticed this, but there... Well, we know there was a tag match between Cody and Lee Johnson against Peter Avalon and Cesar Benini. Um, mm-hmm. The match was okay in its own right, but I think what happened afterwards is something to be talked about. And I know some people caught this. I saw some people talk about this on social media. I know Dave Meltzer definitely pointed this out. I don't know. Did you point this out? And that is when Lee Johnson was having this little celebration, like it was Bret Hart beating Yokozuna at WrestleMania 10. Uh they give him a little interview spot, and he's thanking everybody. He's thanking Cody. He's thanking Dustin. He's thanking Arn. He's, th- he's even thanking Brandy. But behind him is QT Marshall, who's actually been his trainer throughout this whole thing. No thank you. And QT Marshall gives this, this look where he looks upset because he's not being mentioned, but kind of understands like, okay, it's Dustin. It's Cody. It's Brandy. Those are the recognizable names. And heat of the moment, he might have just forgot, but you know he's pissed off. So are they planting a seed for a storyline between Lee Johnson and QT Marshall? I did not pick up on that. I did pick up on Cody kind of leaving that whole situation a little impromptu uh, and heading to the back. And, uh, you know, the the rumor is that Cody has a partially uh, torn shoulder. Yeah, rotator cuff. Rotator cuff. So uh, that, that would certainly be bad for him if that's if that's truly the case um i i think that you know for somebody like lee johnson coming off of this first win that he's had in however long it's been 29 uh, matches i think they said 
however long it's been. I think he said it was almost about a year since yeah. he got a, had, has had a win. You know, going into a feud with QT Marshall, especially considering there's some backstory to that, I think that's a good starting spot. Like that to me would make sense mm-hmm. where, you know, going back to that mat, the match between Darby and Joey, something like that on paper just doesn't necessarily make sense just for the sake of having it. But something like this as like an introduction or introductory feud for Lee Johnson, I, I think that could be, be fine. I think it'll work. Yeah, I definitely agree. And as long as there's a story behind a good match, it actually makes the match even better than just throwing two guys together. And this Lee Johnson guy, I mean, he he looked good in the ring. He's looked good in the past. Uh, personally, I think he can gain about five to 10 pounds of muscle. And as he ages, that's probably going to happen. But, you know, little feud on Dynamite, little TV feud, or maybe one on Dark. I personally would like it on AEW Dynamite because more people would see it. But, right. you know, a good little starting feud for this kid. And apparently anybody that's in that nightmare family, it seems like Cody at least wants them to get pushed. So we'll see where it goes. But uh, on AEW Dynamite, we find out that the Young Bucks are going to defend the tag team titles next week against Santana and Ortiz after there was a little altercation backstage with the Good Brothers and the Young Bucks talking about how they were eliminated. This is important. I'm going to discuss why later on. We also find out that Pac has a quick match with Ryan Nemeth for the win. But I want to talk about NXT here. And we just had a discussion, Ralph, about NXT's developmental system. And I brought up the fact that they're not training the NXT talent so that they're ready for the main roster other than having a bunch of great matches. Like they're not really building characters. They're not letting them work on character development, stuff like that. But I think these next two segments on NXT shows that maybe I'm wrong on this because we see Zia Lee in a quick squash match against uh, Cora Jade and this whole thing with her and Boa and the mysterious woman, Mae Ying, Hayden Carter and Casey Cannon Zaro now are involved trying to like get Xyle back to normal. I love this little short segment. And then Johnny Gargano in the next segment uh, is trying to sell the fact that he's injured and not cleared to compete in the North America championship match at, um, at vengeance day this Sunday against Kushida. He's trying to sell this arm injury. He's in a wheelchair. And I think this is his best promo since he started this whole way gimmick or the way uh-huh. gimmick and Regal comes out, he's trying to call his bluff. They bring an x-ray out and Johnny Gargano's like, look, my arm is broken in four places. Regal's like, no, that's, that says your right arm, your arm is broken is your left. You've been in excruciating pain. And then Kushida sneaks up and attacks the way. And I just thought these were just great, great segments here. Yeah, and you know what? When you come, go to go to think about it, there was like four or five actual segments that were just really put put on NXT for the point of establishing and progressing different storylines, and, mm-hmm. and these were two of them. So, um, yeah, and, and you know, for what it's worth, for people that are interested in just watching wrestling and wanting to see good matches, you know that you're going to pretty much get that on a weekly basis basis with NXT. Last night proved that they not only are they going to be able to do it where they're going to go out there and they're going to be able to put on the good matches, but they could do these small segments given the fact that they only have two hours and a lot of people that they're trying to cover. 
Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the, the segments will still work. So Zaya Lee, she's actually been kind of building up this, um, this new character for herself. I want to say almost like two months now. Longer. It's um, been, so, it's been like six months. Cause I remember when this thing first started, I thought this was like, what is going on? It was so stupid. Right. They were having her lose all these matches. They had this weird guy coming in, telling her to have more matches just so she could lose them. And then she'd leave. And then they had the vignettes that were kind of cool. And now she's coming on TV with these quick squash matches. If they continue yep. this and she can hone this character and make it work, this is one of those where Vince McMahon sees this and can make it work. And we got to see what Boa can do with this. We got to see what this Mei Ying character can do with it. But if they could get this together and form it right in NXT, this is one of those cases where Vince really can't F it up because he has the tools right there. And this is where, this is what he wants. He doesn't want like great, he wants great wrestlers, yes, but he wants more characters than he wants great wrestlers. Yeah, I mean, if if you can establish somebody's character, like I guess even like a Karrion Cross and bring them up, Damian Priest, somebody like that, who is going to be an easy transition from developmental or NXT to the main roster. That just makes everybody's life much easier on the main exactly. roster. Cause you don't have to, you don't have to repackage them. You don't have to remold them. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, as far as these segments on NXT, I thought they were good. I thought they served their purpose. Um, especially because Johnny Gargano in that group, the way I, I have not been a fan of it. No, this week, he seemed much more natural they weren't like annoying or cringy. It was more, you know, trying to be like goofy and funny while at the same time trying to be serious. So I, I thought they were fine. I both I think both both um segments served the purpose and helped progress the storylines. Right, right. Now, unfortunately, the females of the way lost in the semifinals in the Dusty Road Classic as Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell lost to Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon. They'll face Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai this Sunday at uh, Vengeance Day. The winner will get a future opportunity for the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship. Very good news there. And also, let's move over now to AW Dynamite. And I think this might be one of the most talked about segments on the show this week. And that is the tag team match between MJF, Chris Jericho versus the acclaimed. Uh, obviously, stuff happening afterwards. Before the match, though, MJF and Sammy Guevara are backstage. They're talking about all the riffs that they have. MJF tries to record Sammy Guevara saying that he's trying to st- Lead the inner circle, get rid of Chris Jericho. He hates Chris Jericho. Sammy Guevara catches him in the act, punches him in the gut. MJF is taped up um, for the match against the acclaimed. Very good match. But then afterwards, as the inner circle is celebrating, Guevara comes out and he's like, that's it. I'm out. I'm leaving the inner circle. Walks through the face tunnel. So it seems like that was the start of a face turn for Sammy Guevara. I, you know, honest to God, I didn't even realize people paid that much attention to what tunnel go people go in and come out of it. It's just, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that I just is, but, haven't but, been that privy to it, but, but I got to say though, it, it's great, subtle storytelling. If you're one of those that likes to look out every little detail and it seems like Tony Khan is a attention to details guy, where if you're a heel, you are only coming out of that left tunnel. And if you're a, a baby face, you're only coming out of that right tunnel. And it's just a great way to just. Simply uh, let people know, even subconsciously, who's the good guy, right. who's the bad guy, just from what entrance you're coming out of. And 
Oh, it's a whole nother converse, conversation for a different time. But the fact that Cody comes out of the middle, where does he fall? Is he like a tweener or something? He's the center of attention. Ah, okay. <laughs> Whatever. But <laughs> Anyway, I, I love this segment. And, you know, it, there's been ups and downs and bumps in the road for this whole storyline. I mean, I, I certainly there's been there's been highlights. There's been lowlights. There's been things that I think have they've done really well. And there's been certain times where I'm like, oh, God, can this can this end already? Like, let's get to the point. Mm -hmm. I don't know where they're going to conclude with this, whether it's uh, Sammy Guevara coming back as a face. One would assume that's the logical um, way out of this, whether it ends up where MJF takes over the inner circle, whether proud and powerful become a top tag team and leave the inner circle. I, I don't I don't ultimately know how this ends, but I can honestly say for the first time in a long time, based on what happened last night. I'm intrigued by the, the, by the storyline. Um, I like Sammy Guevara. I think that he, now that he was in the inner circle and the fact that they built this tension that built up over the course of however many months between him and MJF, it's one of those situations where you can, you can feel like it's like palpable. Like you mm -hmm. want to see him get his hands on MJF and that's what you want from wrestling. It just stinks that when this happens, it's likely going to happen when there's limited fans there. Otherwise, right. I imagine I imagine people would just go nuts for this. Now, I know where I think I know this is going, and this is why I said earlier the match announcement with the Young Bucks is important because we have the Good Brothers that helped the Young Bucks get eliminated by Santana and Ortiz last week, hence why we're getting this tag team match next week for the AEW Tag Team titles. Now, the winners of that tag team championship match was MJF and Chris Jericho, and the winners of that were facing the tag team champions at Revolution. Now, we already know the feud with the Young Bucks is with the Good Brothers. So a lot of people assumed they were going to win the Battle Royal and choose the Good Brothers. And it would be very easy linear booking. However, they swerved us with Jericho and MJF winning. They announced Santana and Ortiz. Okay. And they're doing that because the Good Brothers will cost the Young Bucks the tag team championship match next week. Santana and Ortiz take the titles ahead of MJF and Jericho who won their match first. And then we get two big matches at revolution. MJF and Jericho versus Santana and Ortiz, young bucks and good brothers for the impact tag team titles. Yeah. Yeah. That, that could certainly work. And that'd be something that I think a lot of fans would be into. Um, and it seems to make sense, especially because, you know, I know that right now, the Good Brothers and the Young Bucks are kind of acting like they're on the same page, but I, I can't see that actually uh, staying true no. throughout the entire storyline. No, definitely not. So uh, after that on AEW Dynamite, there's a backstage segment with Matt Hardy and Hangman Page where Matt Hardy thinks he signed Hangman Page to one of his BS deals, but Hangman swaps the contracts when he's not looking. We also get Sting coming out to talk about the street fight, but is interrupted by Team Taz on the on the screen. Uh, Taz is in the car with powerhouse Hobbs, Brian Cage and Ricky Starks on the outside with Darby Allen in a body bag attached to the car and they drive off. Sting walks out in pursuit and that's the last we see of those. And that's how that storyline has progressed on NXT. Austin Theory and Kushida have a match that ends in a DQ by Johnny Gargano. But let's stay with NXT, Ralph. I think this is the most talked about segment for NXT. And that is the return yeah. of Cameron Grimes. He is now the self-made billionaire, thanks to GameStop and Dogcoin or whatever it's called. And he now, not only is his character, but now his money is too 
own. And if you don't like it, kiss my grits. I texted you as soon as I watched this and I said, Cameron Grimes, oh my God. And you said, is that good or bad? And I said, put him on the main roster. I don't care what role they put him in. Make him a, a GM, make him some some type of position. He doesn't even have to wrestle. Right. Go out there, let the guy talk because he has that natural ability to just be funny and talk. And that is a very rare commodity, especially in today's pro wrestling world. Um, I thought he owned this. I think that he is great in the character or even, I don't even know if it's a character, if that's what he's really like in real life, but I heard uh, I it might be true. Great. I heard he, it might be true. Like he bought one of those stocks and cashed out and that just kind of formulated this new character. I'm not hundred percent sure. Cause I saw it on Twitter and you can't always believe what you see on the internet, but well, someone did say that it actually is true. <laughs> well, move over uh big money, Matt, because there's uh, <laughs> Big money Grimes here now because this was Which great. Which is funny I mean, because Matt Hardy trained Cameron Grimes. That's ironic. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe it's a little uh, shout out to him then with this whole thing. But maybe either, either way, I, I think that Cameron Grimes is is great. He's somebody that I I you know honestly never even really took seriously, and I don't think he's somebody that you know you'd expect to go and win world titles or anything like that. But that doesn't mean he won't have a place either on NXT or the main roster. So, right. Um, yeah, I, I thought this was great. I mean, between the two shows of the segments, I thought him and the Sammy Guevara segment were the two that stood out the most. Um, maybe my two, my two most favorite things from both shows overall yeah, last night. So this I, was great. I got to agree, but I do have to ask because I haven't seen anybody bring this up on social media or on any podcast. So, Maybe I'm thinking too much into this, but when he first is discussing how he made his money and where he's been, he brings about how he loves playing video games. Mm -hmm. Do you think that was a dig at the Undertaker's comment about wrestlers playing video games in the back? I sure do. That was the first thing I thought of when I heard him say it, too. I agree. So, um but it could have also been a nod to the Undertaker because he said, "What? Well, I got bored with it really quick. So, Something like who, that. Who but knows? then he went but, to yeah, GameStop. I think that was intentional. Right, yeah. but then he went to GameStop. So it's like it helped create the story of why he would invest in GameStop, not so much a dig at the Undertaker or a tip of the hat the Undertaker either way. But yeah. as soon as he said playing video games, I was like, yep, Undertaker. And I'm just shocked. No one put two and two together there. But let's go to the next match on AEW Dynamite. It is the beginning of the Women's Eliminator Tournament. Thunder Rosa and legit Layla Hirsch. They brought the legit Thunder, pun intended. I thought this was a really good women's match. And I got to be honest, I was a little bit surprised by this match too because we saw a different side of Layla Hirsch. She's usually like the technical, ground-based, amateur wrestling style with powerlifting moves. But she's doing moonsaults. She's doing jumps. She's bouncing off the top rope like she's Ray Phoenix. Her Karanas. Different side of, of Layla Hirsch. And I got to admit, I liked it. I liked it. I thought it was impressive. But at the same time, I felt like she had she she's has could be somebody that stands out because her style and approach could be very different from everything everybody else is already doing. True. Whether you're 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 one of the guys or you're one of the girls. That what I saw from her last night, while it was great and impressive to me, it was just kind of like it blends in because how many Tope Suicidas are we going to see? Right. How many people are going to do the same move set with the same spot time and time again? You know, if she wants to go out there and be this dominant badass, there's, you know, I, I, off the top of my head, I mean, 
I don't even know if there is one right now. Ronda Rousey isn't wrestling. No. Shayna Baszler is kind of, you know, not what she once was in NXT. Right. Uh, in AEW, they don't really have anybody that's being pushed like that or taking approaches like that off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I thought the match itself was good and I thought she was impressive. Um, you know, but that those were my initial thoughts. As soon as she started diving and doing all these flips and stuff, I was like, all right, so she proved she can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but does she really need to be doing it? I think as long as this was like a showing of her saying, I can do this. Yeah. And just pick your spots. If she's one, if she's going to end up doing this on a weekly basis, like I, I agree with you, this could hurt her more than help her. But if you show this and this is in her back pocket, like, Hey, I can do this when the psychology and the strategy arises, mm-hmm. then I think that works really well for her because yeah. if she, if it's not, if she's not doing it in the ground game, she could do it as a high risk moves. But if it's just where she's just, slowly turning into that because she sees everyone else doing it. She's just going to blend in and not exactly. stick out. So yeah, she should do it when the stakes are the highest. I mean, m- maybe a good example of that would be like Kurt angle. Cause I, I know there's videos of him doing like four fifty splashes and stuff like that. Now, did he do it every single night? No, mm-hmm. but he did try to do it. Um, Brock Lesnar has done a shooting star press one, obviously most notable at WrestleMania where he almost killed himself. Right. Um, but there is videos of him actually doing it, I think, in OVW and hitting it. Um, right. So, you know, doing it in a big spot, in a big match, maybe at a big pay-per-view, something like that. Totally fine with it. But in a match on Dynamite, just for the sake of doing it to show that you can do it, you know, that's kind of like protect your gimmick, I guess. I don't know. That's the only way I would put it. Right. I think the only thing that really hurt this match is the fact that it was in their usual women's Spot on AEW Dynamite, that spot right before the main event, going through yep. a picture in picture. I I just wish they would just let them wrestle and give them time and actually not have picture in picture. First off, I hate picture in picture, but they need them to just have a full segment without picture in picture. And and maybe one of the more interesting things was, unless I overlooked it, like there wasn't any storyline progression with like Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa. So I know they have the I don't know where they're placed in the bracket, but they may be on opposite sides of the U.S. bracket. I have to look again where they could end up meeting in the finals or at least the semifinals somewhere. So um, that will be told later on. But I think the focus here was just the women's elimination tournament. So and a great way to start it. We'll get more of the matches on YouTube on Mondays. The the Japanese bracket will be part of that. And we'll get some of the U.S. brackets. I don't know if they're going to be on Dark or Dynamite. They didn't explain that yet. But I'm sure we'll know in the uh, weeks to come. But let's go to the main event of NXT, Ralph. Grizzly Young Veterans are heading to the Dusty Road Classics final in a very good tag team match against Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher. I love how this match starts. We have Grizzly Young Veterans doing the trash talking like Zach Gibson always does, trying to soon be recognized as the Grizzly Young Vets number one. Sorry, my British accent is terrible, but still, you get the point. Uh, Uh, He's Welch, so. Whatever it is, British, Welsh. I'm joking. joking. It's all the same. I (laughs) I know there's a Scottish and a Welch and whatever, but they're all accents to me. So either way, uh, before he could finish out his promo, Tommaso Ciampa's out there trying to beat up both of them. He gets tripped on the apron, lands on his back, injuring his neck. He's out for a while as the medical team looks at him. So Thatcher is isolated in the process. It leads to a hot tag segment with Ciampa. When he does come back, 
Uh, I thought this was gr- great flurry of action for Tommaso Champa, back and forth between him and Zach Gibson. Um, James Drake is able to push Champa into the corner uh, and tag in Gibson at this point. They're going back and forth. Eventually, we get the Grizzly Young Veterans hitting a doomsday device on Tommaso Champa. Thatcher breaks up the pin, but then is thrown out of the ring. Uh, he and Gibson fight outside. Drake goes for a tope suicida on Thatcher as he's trying to get back into the ring. Tommaso Champa tries Widow's Bell, just like last week for the win. But Zach Gibson does a very smart thing and holds on to James Drake. Champa lands on his back, re-injuring and re-aggravating the neck injury, leading to the uh, ticket to mayhem for the victory as the Grizzly Young Veterans, for the second year in a row, are heading to the Dusty Rhodes Classic Final. What would you think of this main event? I thought it was really good. Really good. Really physical, just like you'd expect from these four. Um, Little surprised by the outcome of the match, but at the same time, it kind of makes sense. Um, You know, we've talked about Champa before being a former champion. Uh, Where are they going to go with him? What's he going to do? I don't think he's going up to the main roster. Uh, I don't see him feuding with Thatcher after this. But at the same time, you know, grizzled young veterans, they deserve it. They've been really good since they've come over to NXT. So no complaints from me. Now, Tampa, I think, has done all he really can in NXT. Yeah. He's he's worked as a baby face. He's worked as a heel. He's worked the mid-card, upper card, main evented several takeovers, big high-key matches. I think it's time for him to go to the main roster. And I know as a single star, he's going to get limited just it, let's face it, the guy would get dwarfed by even some of the mid-carters in the WWE. Ta- having yeah. him tag with Thatcher not only would help him get on TV more, but would help the tag team division in whatever brand he goes, Raw or SmackDown. Would you bring them both up as a tag team? Would I... um Realistically, I mean, do they they don't really push tag teams all that strong, but I mean, well, Raw I, I don't need see- to fill the third hour some way, and yeah. you can't have the hurt business versus retribution or retribution versus the new day every week. They need a little or, or, diver- yeah. a little diversity, a little shaking up in that tag team division. And it would certainly help if you had more tag teams fill out at least 45 minutes of the show. No, I, I agree. I, I think that in, in if it was a choice between having him go up as a tag team and ensuring him some success or going up as a singles competitor where, like you said, realistically, I don't see them pushing him on the main roster just mm-hmm. you know based on size alone. Sure, I, I'd take him being pushed as a tag team with Thatcher. That'd be fine. Yeah, I think some of these guys, and I know some fans might not like it if he's put into a tag team and just in the tag team division, but if it gets him on TV more that might be where he has to go. And maybe that's what Champa doesn't want. And that's why he says, if he goes to the main roster, he'll retire. Who knows? But all right. The main event of AEW dynamite is Kenny Omega and Kenta versus Lance Archer and John Moxley in a no disqualification, non-sanctioned match. Uh, this match started off with Kenta hitting John Moxley with the briefcase, trying to hit Archer with that same briefcase. Archer no sells it. And then the chaos begins. We see trash cans. We see ladders. We see them going to the crowd. We see them getting thrown into Peter Avalon's bed. Is that a bed that he's on? Chair? Like Whatever the hell that <laughs> thing is. Uh, they go to the kitchen. Uh, they're going all over the place. And then there's this random recap halfway through the match. They eventually come back into the ring. 
We see Archer trying to put Kenta through the commentary table. Kenta evades, double stomps on Moxley through the timekeeper's table, but the timekeeper's table does not break. Archer then tries to go after Omega. Uh, the Good Brothers come out, interfere in the match. Moxley tries to save with a barbed wire bat, uh, but it's still too much. Archer tries to choke slam both Kenta and Omega, but then the Good Brothers help him out. A V trigger, and then the help of all four get Archer up and for the one wing angel for the win. I thought this was a good match. Uh, I think it might have overstayed its welcome a little bit. The recap thing was a little awkward. Yeah. But if I have to say, if anybody shined in this match, it was Lance Archer. I agree. Archer did come out of this looking better than just about anybody in the match. I was surprised because honestly, last night I started watching this match. I fell asleep and I finished watching it uh, this morning. Now, mm -hmm. based on just the, the, the way people are talking about this match all over social media, I was like, oh, must have been really good. I must have really missed out. And when I watched it, I was like, all right, that was good. It was probably like what I expected, but I didn't think it was amazing. Um, I thought Archer was very good in the match. I thought that he looked like a monster and, you know, AEW hasn't necessarily built up bigger guys like him uh, mm -hmm. to the best of their their ability, I think. So that's right. that's good and that's welcomed. Um, yeah, I mean, again, I, does this do anything for anybody other than him? I don't know. I, I to me, I feel like it, this whole this whole angle with working with Impact and working with New Japan would be more effective had it been like random run-ins and like they're these guys are doing something that they're not supposed to be doing. They're not supposed to be there. Then it feels like more of an invasion type angle. This just kind mm -hmm. of feels like you know they're signed to contracts and they're supposed to be working with AEW. And I don't know. I just I feel like it's it's it could be made to feel much more special than it is. It just yeah. feels like those guys are just in AEW working as in, like anybody else would. And I feel like that it could feel more special had it been kept a little more scarce, like picking and choosing your matches. Right. Now, I think part of the reason is they tape, they do one show live and then the next day they tape the following week's episode. And I think that's what happened. This was the pre-taped episode from last week. So that's part of why, but you could still tape a segment where Kenta comes out of nowhere and attacks again, which they did last week. So you have the follow-up match. So I see what they're getting at, but also they're building new Japan's match, which is Kenta versus John Moxley, which is happening on February 26th. You could check that out on new Japan world. And they were plugging both impacts pay-per-view and new Japan's pay-per-view and this is like the first time where I saw actual like plugging for both shows where it actually could benefit the other promotions rather than them just kind of, hey, we got Kenta. Hey, we got the Good Brothers. Everybody come look at us and we're just going to show up on these other promotions randomly. Yeah, yeah, no. I, and, you know, whatever. I, I'm, I'm not saying I'm against it. I think it's great that they're all working together. Um, You know, it's just. I don't know. I just hope it doesn't come back to bite them in the bite them in the ass at some point, because if, if they start, if like the guys we were talking about, guys like Scorpio Sky, guys like, uh, you know, whoever else is in that upper to mid mid card, guys that left WWE to go and take a gamble in uh, AEW, whether it's mm -hmm. Miro, whether it's Sean Spears, guys like that who went there for opportunities. Right. No. And, are these guys starting to take spots from them? I don't think we're at that point yet, but I think realistically it might get to that point where some guys get upset. Right. 
Right. And and you have to think for yourself, you're promoting other shows on your television. So what do you get in return? Do you get Moxley beating Kenta on that show? Do you get the Young Bucks yeah. or Private Party beating the Good Brothers on that show? Like we saw Kenny Omega pin Rich Swan at the last Impact pay-per-view. So there's some balance, but you as long as everybody benefits, it's going to work. But eventually Someone's going to benefit more than the other, and that could start a drift, a rift. Right now, so far, so good. But all right, we reviewed both shows, Ralph. We went over the ratings. Which show did you think was better this week? You know what? I was ready to pick AEW Dynamite, and I even told you that right before the sh- before we started recording. But I'm going to pick NXT because I think the thing that left the lasting impression with me was Cameron Grimes. And I'm not mm-hmm. even joking about that. I felt like he went out there and did something that other than Sammy Guevara was able to, that no one else was able to do. And that was just command the room, stand out for all the right reasons. And I thought he did great. So I thought both shows had really good wrestling matches. Um, but that was the one thing that I, I pretty much stuck with me from both shows. So I'm going to pick NXT this week. You know, I feel like this past Sunday when watching Super Bowl 43, or what is it? 55. Sorry. When watching Super Bowl, when watching Super Bowl 55, 43 year old Tom Brady is beating up on Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. Vince McMahon is going to Triple H going, you know, you got to work on your developmental system there, pal. All these stars, they can wrestle, but they can't talk for crap. We need characters, damn it. And then Triple H was like, okay. So he brings out Zia Lee. He works on Johnny Gargano. He brings out the new Cameron Grimes. And we see like a WWE version of NXT. And some people are going to be like, oh, this sucks. This is stupid. But this is what they need to do in NXT. And they're like, all right, listen, we're going to get our asses kicked in the ratings. USA still likes us. We just made this massive deal with Peacock. Let's just focus on getting these guys ready for the main roster. And that's what this show did this week. I felt like. And I thought they did a very good job. The matches were still pretty good. The character development, I think, was one of the best character-driven episodes I've seen in a long time. While AEW Dynamite was a good episode, some of their matches were a little flat. So I'm going with NXT this week. Yeah, I think uh, they were both good shows. um, But I thought NXT just, like I said, whether it was some of those segments or Cameron Grimes just in general, and I'm over here laughing in my head because I'm just thinking of him pulling up in one of those cars on a random episode of Raw and just showing up one night and just, I think it'd be great. I think he'd be, he's good on, on NXT, but I think he'd be great on the main roster too. All right, before we leave, I got a nickname for Cameron Grimes. You ready for this? Boy, sure. The Hillbillion Dollar Man. Not bad. <laughs> <laughs> I could totally picture him saying something like that too, but... It might be hard with his Southern twang. The hillbillion dollar man to the moon. (laughs) All right, guys, let us know what show you thought was better this week. AEW Dynamite or NXT. You can send us a tweet at SCPB Podcast and follow us all over social media there as well. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at SCPB Podcast. Subscribe, hit that bell for notifications to join the conversation. We'll talk to you on the next episode of the Squared Circle Psychobabble.